Well, first of all, I, I do want to take time to wish all the, the mothers and the women a happy Mother's Day. We appreciate you, of course, and, and uh, we hope you have a wonderful day today. I also wanted to share just a little bit about my trip to Pennsylvania that I had uh, last week for the Church Leaders Conference. It was great to finally have a, a face-to-face meeting uh, with some of those uh, other LMC pastors. You know, I've been doing Zoom meetings for quite a while through the pandemic, but it was nice to actually be back in Pennsylvania and meet some of them. Um, I'm glad they offered the Zoom option since we're so far away. It is convenient, but it's always better to see people face to face. And of course, when they introduced us because we came the furthest, um, I had several people come up to me after the um, meeting or during our break. And of course, if they had any connection with Arthur or Arthur people, uh, they talked to me. So um, some of them wanted to know if I knew their friends or relatives in Arthur. And some of, some of them I did, some of them I didn't. So, But the meetings were great. And uh, I just want to say I, I came away thinking that we as a church made a good choice. Again, like I've said in the past, uh, to join LMC, a fellowship of Anabaptist churches, as our church affiliation. Uh, the meetings that we talked about, the things that we talked about were we're really focused on how we can become better disciples of Jesus and then how, um, uh, as a church, we can multiply that into more disciples and followers of Jesus. The mission statement of LMC says that we are a spirit-led movement to make disciples of Jesus, mobilize every member as a missionary, and multiply faith communities locally and beyond. And as I thought about our own church vision statement, I, you know, see a lot of similarities there. So that's really neat. So it was a good trip. Thank you for Jeff. Uh, thank you, Jeff, for bringing the message last Sunday. And uh, I feel very good about our relationship with LMC. One other interesting thing about the place that we met back there in the Lancaster area, the church that we met at was one of the first Mennonite churches ever established in the United States. Anybody want to guess what year that was? 1710. That's going way back. If you think about our uh, 1776 usually being the birth of our country. So yeah, that was, that was another very interesting thing. All right, let's open our Bibles this morning um, to the back of the New Testament. And the book of 1 John... The rest of this month, we're uh, going to be looking at this short book of the Bible. This letter was not really <clears throat> written to any church or a particular group of people, um, like a lot of the other New Testament epistles or books were. But we can imagine that it was probably circulated pretty wildly, uh, widely among the new Gentile congregations that are a part of, were a part of uh, what we today call Turkey and Greece. And uh, most likely it was written from the town of Ephesus around the time of 85 to 90 AD. And of course, the Apostle John wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd about the same time that, that he wrote his uh, gospel. That was before he was banished for his faith to the island of Patmos, where he would later, of course, write the book of Revelation. So those are the books that, that John wrote. There's really much to gain here from what John teaches and writes because he was an eyewitness to who Christ was and, and what Jesus did when he came 
to this earth. John was one of the apostles who was able to see firsthand the amazing life and miracles of Jesus. And, you know, as John himself writes uh, to say, believe it, he says, Jesus is really the Son of God. And one of the reasons he needed to write those things, of course, is that false teachers and others were spreading uh, false theology. And so he starts this first chapter where he goes back to the basic truth that he started his own gospel with. That Jesus is God and has been from the very beginning of time. And so we're going to begin with verse 1. And I'm actually going to read, uh, it's a short chapter, I'm actually going to read through chapter 2, uh, the second verse. It says that, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared. We've seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father. And has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we've seen and heard. So that you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We wrote this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and, and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Let's bow together for a short prayer as we begin. Now, Lord, we pray that you'd open our hearts to your word, a word that <clears throat> passes swiftly and faithfully to our hearts and transforms our lives. Help us to receive these verses today. And to faithfully apply them to further your imprint on our lives and on our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> There's an old story that, was, that has been told of a man who was walking at night. And he saw another man searching for something near a lamppost. Well, he approached this man and he asked him what he was looking for. And the man, without actually looking up, replied, he said, I'm looking for my watch. And so the first man asked him, he said, well, you know, where were you exactly when you dropped your watch? And uh, 
<clears throat> While he was continuing his search, the man pointed his finger over kind of at a distance. <laughs> and he said, oh, I think it was over there somewhere. And, you know, baffled by that answer, the uh, first man said, well, sir, why are you looking for it here? Finally, looking up in frustration and, and meeting the, the first man's eyes, the searcher, he replied testily, and he said, because, sir, the light is better here. <laughs> we all know that, you know, people are naturally drawn to light. It doesn't do us much good to look for a watch or anything else, really, in the dark, does it? <clears throat> we can maybe feel around and uh, we can uh, find something in the dark once in a while, but even if you find it or, or when you find it, it's not really good without some light. Uh, I've shared, I think, probably many times through the years about my growing up in Carlsbad, New Mexico, where the Carlsbad Caverns National Park is. And in my lifetime, I've been through the cavern over 20 times, at least probably. And some of those times that we were down there, they would turn off the lights and let you experience what total darkness feels like when you're in the, the bottom of the cave. I don't think they do that much anymore. Um, but there is a drastically different feeling between that total darkness and when they flip, flip on the lights. Especially when you're at the bottom of a cave and it's, it's like total, total darkness. Is it, have any of you ever got to experience that when you're in a cave or visiting? Yeah, I imagine it's not uncommon. Well, there are many times in scripture that light is used to describe a spiritual truth about God and, and Jesus. And there are also many instances in uh, where the Bible speaks of, of darkness as a, a place that is away from God. A place that is desperate. Sometimes a, a place that is hopeless and fearful. And so what John is teaching here is that as Christians, we should not live a double life. We can't dabble in the darkness and expect the light of Christ to shine through us and through our life. <clears throat> I heard an example one time uh, about a girl from this pastor's church that she accidentally called his cell phone at 1 a.m. in the morning. I know it seems like I keep bringing up these nighttime phone calls, doesn't it? I think I've done that like three times recently. But uh, anyway, this pastor could hear all that was going on in the background. And he figured out that she was at some wild party or something at, at 1 a.m. in the morning. And so when he asked her about it the next morning in church... Uh, she seemed really concerned that he might have heard something <laughs> that she didn't want him to hear in the background or what was being said. We really need to think about that in our own lives. Are we authentic followers of God or are we living a double life? I truly think the best tool we have to share the good news with others is when they can see that, that we are real, 
that, that we are authentic and that we have struggles just like everyone else. It's like that bumper sticker. I haven't seen it in a while, but some time ago there was a bumper sticker uh, that you used to see that said, I'm not perfect, I'm just forgiven. Some of you probably remember that. <clears throat> but we also need, need to make sure that we are perpetuating the light of Christ and not the darkness of Satan. We are redeemed as believers, but that doesn't mean we just ignore what that means to be a follower of Jesus. What John seems to be addressing here is when Christians begin to allow the, the darkness and the light to blend and the darkness then corrupts the life that is purified from sin through Jesus Christ. In verse 5 here, John says, God, is, <coughs> excuse me, God is light and in him there is no darkness. If you go back to John's gospel, he actually quotes the words of Jesus when, when Jesus said, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And so, you know, as Christians, we know that. But there are times when being a follower of Christ is not always the easiest choice to make. You know, sometimes the students at the high schools around our country organize the thing that they call See You at the Pole. It's a prayer gathering at which in the morning they gather at the flagpole and they, they have a time of, of prayer. Uh, it takes courage for those high school students to show up and to pray around that pole. But they know that the benefits of praying for their school and for the other students will allow Christ's light to shine in that place. <clears throat> I have to think, how often do we use those kind of things in the workplace? You know, I think, I think we need to be, be careful, maybe, about how guarded we sometimes become about our faith because we're afraid what somebody else might think. And yet some of, of those co-workers or friends, they might be the ones who need to experience the light of Christ that John's talking about here. So are we, you know, sometimes maybe too quick in a politically correct or post-Christian world to turn off the light of Jesus and change the subject to something else in fear of what might happen to us. Perhaps sometimes we do that because we're maybe afraid that <clears throat> we won't know how to respond to a question or to carry on the conversation with, with that person. And you know, really, that's a, a fear that we shouldn't give into because most of the time, People don't expect us to have all the answers. You know? They just want to know about your faith and our faith. 
and, and they want to know why Jesus is such an important part of your life. I mean, that's easy enough to share, those things. There's an old story that's told uh, about this desert nomad who woke up very hungry in the middle of the night one time. He, uh, he lit a candle and he began eating some dates from a bowl that <clears throat> was beside his bed. He took a bite from one of it and he found a worm in it. And so he threw it out of the tent. He bit into the second one, second date. And he found another worm, so he threw it out also. He figured that at this rate, he wouldn't have any dates left to eat if he continued on. And so he blew out the candle, and he quickly ate the rest of the dates. <laughs> that story uh, really is really a good example of what John is trying to tell us here in this first chapter. There are many who prefer darkness and denial to the light of reality. And most of the time it's because they are blinded by the powers of darkness. And, and so, you know, people continue in a direction which is against the will of God. And really it's against their own best interest. But they continue on. What we see in the life of Jesus is someone who has come to help us fight off the temptations of Satan and to stay focused on God's perfect plan for our lives. Verse 7 here says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin." They were just blowing the candle out and, you know, continuing on in hopes that they wouldn't be found out maybe by someone or somehow found out by God. I wonder if that's why maybe John started this chapter by talking about how Christ has appeared and has been in the world since the very beginning. You're not going to hide anything from God. I mean, that gives us something to think about before we consider blowing out the candle and just going on with whatever we're doing. It's going to be hard to hide it from God or even from others who are looking at our lives and know that we are followers of Jesus. And so as we go through uh, the rest of this book of 1 John, you're going to realize <clears throat> many times that he does two things. John does. He gives us this clear picture of Christ. And then he, he helps us to consider how well that picture is evident in our lives. You know, are we authentic? Or are we being counterfeit? I heard someone one time compare a, a counterfeit Christian to a, a counterfeit $50 bill. You know, suppose you have a, a counterfeit bill 
and you think it's genuine, you didn't realize it was counterfeit, but uh, you use it to maybe pay for a tank of gas at the gas station. Used to be that would easily fill up your tank, but <laughs> nowadays that's questionable. Well, the gas station then takes your $50 bill and <clears throat> uses it to buy supplies for their business. The supplier then uses that money to, to pay the grocer. And the grocer then bundles up all of the bills, the $50 bills, and takes them to the bank. And the teller finds the one and says, I'm sorry, but this $50 bill is counterfeit. You know, the $50 bill made its rounds through all of that circulation. But when it arrived at the bank, it was exposed for what it really was. The truth is, our lives are constantly exposed. God sees everything. But there are also many other people who may only see this light of Christ as it is revealed in your life and in my life. And so John goes on in verse 8 to share several of these statements that start with, if we, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In verse 10, he says, if we claim we have not sinned, we make him, Jesus, out to be a liar, and his word has no place in our lives. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty direct word there for followers of Christ. And what it's saying is that we need to be authentic in our Christian life. We need to admit that we are sinners and that we are not perfect. We need to communicate that with others and I think a lot of times we probably need to be more transparent in our lives with each other and even with others. We need to let others in our daily lives that we interact with <clears throat> know that we have uh, some of the same temptations and the same struggles that they have in life. I think if we do that, they are going to be much more receptive to the other, to the, you know, the most important thing that we need to share with them. And that's how to overcome these things with and, and in the light of Jesus Christ. By walking in the light of Christ. It's what John shares in verse 9 there where he says, if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. <clears throat> you see, Christ will forgive our sins if we repent of them, repent of them and embrace his forgiveness. And I, I truly believe that the church of Jesus Christ would grow in leaps and bounds if we as his followers would consistently walk in the light of Christ and quit dabbling in the darkness. 
In verse 6 here, he says, If we claim to have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie. And do not live by the truth. It's a constant battle that we have in life. A battle against the forces of darkness that Satan uses against us in this world. But we also have a constant source of strength in Jesus as God's children. And through him, we can find release and safety and forgiveness. And that is the light that we need in our lives and that we need to share with others. Well, quickly in closing here, I have three things that I want to highlight from this text today that will encourage us to live authentic Christian lives, because I think that's what John is after here. The first one is to confess your sins, to confess our sins. <clears throat> don't hide them, don't deny them, and definitely don't keep living in them. Christ has paid the price so that you can have that sin and that weight lifted from your life. And I know I say it often around here on Sunday mornings, but I'm going to keep saying it. Believe it and receive it. Believe it and receive it. It is life-changing and is so needed by all. The second one is to read and know your Bible. If we want, you know, to mirror Christ in our life, if we want to walk in the light as he is in the light, then there's no better way to do that than to stay in the word and ask him to help us live it out. <clears throat> and then finally, we need to be real and not fake. There should be no counterfeit Christianity in our lives. And you know what? To do that, we really need to rely on the Holy Spirit to help us and to guide us. In verse 9, it says that God is faithful and just and will purify us from all unrighteousness. You see, God sent the Holy Spirit to give us that direction and that guidance and that help in our life. And when those in our community or in our workplace, <coughs> excuse me, and others, uh, other places, when they see that guidance active in our lives, I know that they're going to ask where it comes from. They're going to notice, you know, how do you have such peace in your life? Where do you find all the joy with all that you're going through right now? How do you get past someone when they have wronged you and offended you and done, done something bad to you? And you see, when we get those responses, that's when we have that opportunity to share Christ with them. And that's when people really begin, I think, to see the authenticity in our Christian walk. Really, the, the whole focus of this first chapter in First uh, John is, I think, centered around that purpose. Uh, are you walking in the light so that the light of Jesus can shine through you? 
Next Sunday in, in chapter 2, uh, John is going to refer to light and darkness again, but he's going to change a little bit and he's going to focus on our relationships within the church body. And so that will be interesting. I encourage you this week to, if you have time, read chapter 2, uh, pray over it, and uh, we will come together again next Sunday to see what John has to say to us. Can we do that? All right, let's stand together and uh, let's pray about these things this morning. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for <coughs> your word. We thank you for how uh, you encourage us to go out into this world and to live as the believers and followers of Jesus that we are or we claim to be. Uh, help us, Lord, to, to read your word, to learn more about Jesus and the examples that he has shown us and how to live. Lord, I pray first and foremost that we, we do repent of our sins and receive this forgiveness that you have paid the ultimate price for us to have, the grace and forgiveness that we can have in each of our lives. Lord, I pray that uh, you would help us when temptations and other things come in life, that uh, you would help us to stand firm and to rely on you to help us to overcome those things. And Lord, I just pray that we would be real and authentic with others in our life, with our families, and with each other. Uh, help us to not live a life that may be counterfeit or fake, but help us to be real and realize that that is how we can help each other uh, to get through some of the things in life that we face. So, Lord, I pray for each one here this morning. Pray for all the women and the mothers. Pray your blessing. Pray that it would just be a wonderful day for each of them. And uh, just help us to show our appreciation to them and all that they do. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. We're going to have our sending song, May the Lord Go With You.